This is the sign that we've entered the Messianic age. This is the time that God has given His Messiah and that His very presence will separate people, not because they don't love one another, but because they don't all equally love Him. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou Since I know you're wondering what this is all here for, I, I begin by holding up the best tool I ever brought to Vacation Bible School. It's not for spanking kids or anything like this. Um, with all of the things that, that I did during Vacation Bible School Week, leading songs, having prayers with kids, being in puppet skits, uh, all kind of things, I think that I will always be remembered as the pastor who brought the real sword to church and the, that every kid wanted to touch. Um, this is a real sword. Uh, it has seen combat in uh, the American Civil War. It was forged in the 1830s. So um, it is a fairly effective tool at doing what it was designed for, which is cutting things. Um, in Hebrews 4.12, we're told the Word of God is compared to a sword. And uh, it says this, For the Word of the Lord is living and active. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of the Lord discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart, cuts away what is false, and leaves what is true. And in today's reading from the Gospels, Jesus confronts us with the idea that what is true of the spoken Word of God is also true of the Word made flesh, Jesus Himself. That His very presence causes division. And He focuses His division on the descriptions of families. Now, this is surprising because we usually think of Jesus as a pretty pro-family kind of guy. But His focus here is not on how He intentionally divides but rather how his mere presence does in fact divide. And I was trying to think of a way to illustrate why this would be the case. And I'm not sure I came up with an ingenious idea, but I came up with an idea. So I'm going to show you one of my favorite things in the whole world, a freshly baked loaf of bread. <laughs> um, I want you to know that I paid full price for this. I didn't steal it and that Everything that was owed, I paid for it at Giant. Um, so this is my bread. <laughs> and I can do with it what I like. Um, now here's where I need your help for my sermon illustration. You have to imagine the bread can talk to me. So I've, I've chosen the bread, I've grabbed the bread, I've paid for the bread, and now I have a purpose for the bread. But the bread 
Some parts of this piece of bread are not excited about the purpose I have in store for it. In fact, the heel of the bread here has learned that I don't really like the heel of the bread. I always give it to my wife. So, um, and he kind of feels like, well, if you don't want anything to do with me, I don't want anything to do with you. So even though I bought the bread, even though I paid for the bread, uh, the, the heel of the bread has decided he really doesn't want anything to do with me, so we'll just take him and set him aside because I'm not going to make him do something he doesn't want to do. Um, then there's lots of things you can do with bread once you have it. Um, here's one of my kids' favorite things. Anybody know what this is? A youth minister's best friend. <laughs> I've never done a youth trip without lots of Nutella. It's protein and it tastes like chocolate. There's no downside. So you take a little of this, slather it on here. My son especially liked this sermon illustration because he was the acolyte at the 8 o'clock service and got to pilfer the bread when it was done. So this piece of bread decides, eh, I'm, in, I, I, I'm a sweet kind of person. I, I, wanna, I want my own, I'm going to be Nutella bread instead of whatever you had planned for me. And nothing wrong with Nutella bread. That's one of my favorite things too. I like that. Well, the next piece kind of sees what's going on here and says, well, you know, I got another plan for myself as well. Um, I mean, as, you know, as good as what plans you might have for me are, I'm, I'm, but I'm a savory guy, not a, not a sweet guy, so I'm going to take a little butter and uh, we're going to have a nice piece of butter bread. Again, one of my favorite things to do with bread. Very tasty, a nice savory piece here. Not bad. Well, the next piece of, of the bread says, well, you know, I'm not really a butter person. I'm not really a Nutella person, but I don't want to feel left out. I don't want them to think I'm strange because I've hung out over here, so I'm just going to go join the other pieces of bread and do what they're doing. Well... This is another favorite thing to do with um, bread. This is how my wife and I as young newlyweds survived our way around Ireland. You take a piece of cheddar cheese and you wrap your bread around it. And this is called a plowman's lunch. We literally would not have made it around Ireland doing her research for her degree if we hadn't done this. So this is protein of the, of the highest sort. Nice and filling. Works even better if you add a pint to it. I just, you know, that, that's, that, well, it was Ireland. You couldn't escape it. Well, all of this is great. And, and honey, honey's another thing. If you've never had bread with tea and honey, oh, so good. So there's lots you could do with this bread. But as my children know, if I go to the store and buy a loaf of bread, much as I like these other things, it's not to have buttered bread. It's not to add cheddar cheese to it. It's not to add Nutella to it. There's only re one reason that Pastor Brett buys his own loaf of bread, and that's to make garlic toast. This is the purpose for which I paid the full price for the bread. 
And um, I tried to think of a way that I could do that right here in the sermon so that by the time I was done preaching, the smell of the garlic toast would be kind of wafting out over you um, to cement the, the sermon illustration in place, but I couldn't think of how to do that. Um, but the point of what I'm getting at here is that I brought the bread for one purpose. Although there's lots of purposes that are perfectly legitimate that it could have been used for. In the same way, Jesus Christ has purchased us at the cost of his own blood for his own purposes. And certain things that may seem perfectly valid from the point of the world for us to be doing are not what his intention for us is. But you see, you can't have Jesus as Savior without having him as Lord. The two things go hand in hand. And so Jesus' very presence not only divides us from our families, it divides us in our hearts, where we start to see that's the stuff that he died to get rid of, and this is the stuff he wants to encourage and help grow. Jesus says three perplexing things to us in the, today's Gospel reading. First he says, I have, been, I have a baptism with which I have to be baptized, and would that it, were ha that it happened. Well... At this point in the Gospel, Luke, he's already been baptized back in chapter 4, I believe. Um, and so what he's speaking about here is very, very clear. This is part of the long story of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. So the baptism he's talking about is his own crucifixion. This is why he's come. This is the mission he's on. And then he says, well, he's actually said it before. He says, we've got... There's, I've come to pour out fire on the earth. Again, in the context of Luke and its sequel, the book of Acts, we know that that means the giving of the Holy Spirit onto the, onto the earth. The Holy Spirit is what calls us to Christ and communicates that work of the cross to each one of us and engenders in us faith that is trust in the living God for what he's done for us on the cross. All of these things are what he's aiming at. And then he talks to us about signs of the times and how we don't seem to be able to discern them. And this goes right back to what's happening here. In the division, this is what he's speaking of here, is the division of people one for another, from another. People who love each other but can't agree on him. This is the sign that we've entered the messianic age. This is the time that God has given his Messiah and that his very presence will separate people, not because they don't love one another, but because they don't all equally love him. Now this division should never be a cause for arrogance on the part of those who claim Christ in return for his being, being claimed by him. Because as that division of the Word of God goes deeper into us, we should know the depths of our own sins and never look at other people with anything other than the same kind of sympathy we hope someone would look upon us in. But in the end, we are separated from those we love if we claim Christ and they don't. even if he died for all our sakes. The Word of God 
is act living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Ben, would you go to the next slide? Anybody know what this picture is? In 2015, this is a still of a video that was released on the internet, widely distributed. 21 Egyptian Christians, um, day laborers, so poor they could not find work to support their families in their own native country, had traveled to Libya to find hourly labor. And um, they were abducted by radical terrorists, Islamic terrorists. And I don't know if you can see there in the picture, but each one of those standing in black has a sword. And those in the orange jumpsuits are the Christians labeled here as the people of the cross, the followers of the hostile Egyptian church. I don't know that the Egyptian church has ever been engaged in a military action. Well, after spouting some propaganda, they executed each one of them by cutting off their heads with those swords on the, on the banks of, or the, uh, the shore of the Mediterranean Sea there. One of those pictured here is Yusuf Shukri. Yusuf is the Arabic version of the name Joseph. Um, Yusuf's brother Malak, when he saw the picture, so saw the video, recognized his brother, and here's what he said. He said, I prayed for his soul. I heard him calling, Oh Jesus, as he was beheaded. I'm happy and I'm proud of him. He is a martyr for Christ. For even as a sword not much different from this one descended and removed his head from his shoulders, the Word of God had already separated him from the world and claimed him for Jesus Christ in eternal life. We, we must be separated in this way because the destiny of the world is death. The destiny of those who have been claimed by Christ is life eternal. And so it behooves us to not get distracted even by relatively good things. Good things become bad things when they take us away from Christ. But rather, live out His purposes for us, us trusting in what He has done for us in the face of all difficulties. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord Jesus, you have paid such a great cost for us. You have called us to yourself. You have poured out the fire of the Holy Spirit upon the world that all might come to you and know you. Lord, keep us from being distracted by the things of this world. However good they may seem, help us remember that you are the one to whom we belong and who has the best plan for our lives. Help us to grow in faith, to journey alongside of others, and to give witness to the love that we have come to know through you. These things we ask in your precious name. Amen. Be 
all else to me Save that thou art Be thou my best thought In the day and the night Waking or sleeping Thy presence my light